Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a mother, wife, daughter, friend, and I'm also a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as having a specialty in maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing womanhood as well as motherhood and learning strategies to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So kick back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I have a super treat for you this week. I interview Carla Saunders. And you know how sometimes you just talk to people and you just realize that you have so much in common? Well, that was me and Carla. Um, She just has a beautiful spirit and we really clicked and just really like saw each other. Um, Just to tell you a little bit about her, she is a connector and a collaborator, wife, working mother. She is a former Miss NCANT, member of Delta Sigma Theta. She's a Zumba instructor and a published author. And she has a book that's out that is remarkable. Um, Powerful Lessons of Living Your Best Life on the Other Side of Fear. And I wanted to read an excerpt from her book um, before we get into the interview. Dear Fear, you can no longer consume my thoughts and allow me to get frustrated with the inevitable occurrences associated with life. You try to convince me that I can't have it all and that I can't be the person I've always dreamed of becoming. You want me to believe that I can't be a good mother and have a happy marriage, progress successfully in a career, be dependable, loyal, caring, and fun daughter, sister, and friend, all while maintaining a healthy physical and financial lifestyle. You want me to believe that one of those things will have to give and that I'm trying to do too much. Um, Stay tuned and listen to the rest of my conversation with Carla. All right, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast, and I am so excited to have my next guest, Carla. Hey, Carla. Hey, Keisha. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. I'm so excited to just talk motherhood, postpartum journey, and all of that good stuff. But first, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I am Carla Janelle Ricks. I'm on Instagram at Carla Janelle, and I currently reside in Upper Marlboro, Maryland with my husband, Jason, my three-year-old son, Caleb, and my dog, Bentley. Mm -hmm. And I work for the J.P. Morgan Chase Institute, which is based out of Washington, D.C., and Mm -hmm. we're a think tank associated with the bank. We use bank data for the public good, so influencing policymakers, business decision owners, just so we can help equity occur um, where it needs to as much as we can with the data that we have. So enjoy doing that. And I would be remiss if people did not know I am an Aggie. Born and bred. We graduated North Carolina A&T and also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. (laughs) Well, I didn't even know that you were um, in Maryland. So um, one of my best friends, she lives in Laurel, Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, and me and my husband, we went to, I had been to DC a couple of times before, but we went to DC two years ago to the African American museum Perfect. and going like as an adult, I was like, Oh my God, I love DC. I could totally do DC. Mm-hmm. I love it. If I could afford it. <laughs> 
because it's super expensive, but I just love the culture, the brunching, the museums, <laughs> the art, and just all of it. It was awesome. And I love Maryland, too. I like the diversity mm-hmm. of Maryland. Well, yeah, you were definitely naming all the things in those, any D.C. listeners on here, DMV, or everybody who's been saying, yep, yep, <laughs> the brunches, all of that. Nice. Okay. So then tell us, when did you know you wanted to be a mom? Whew. I've always known I wanted to be a mom. I mean, since a little girl, of course, I have one older sister. Her name is Teresa. And We've done the baby dolls and the doing the hair and using my mom's good conditioner on Barbie doll hair and just anything like I enjoy that nurturing aspect. We always wanted baby born. Anything that comes out is just that we knew that was going to be a part of our both of our journeys because my mom is, of course, everybody probably say their mom is the ultimate mom, but my mom just loves being a mom. Mm. And so I wanted the opportunity to do the same. Oh, awesome. Okay. So then when you and your husband um, got ready to have your son, was that something that you guys talked about? Were you planning or or not planned but not preventing? Or how did that all come about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a part of us even being in a relationship, both of us are very family oriented. And we always knew and know that we want family. However... We got pregnant, as you said, D.C. I'm young. I was in North Carolina working when I relocated to the D.C. area um, for us to plan our wedding and actually get married. So I was still getting my feet wet. And we had trips planned and a lot of other things in store six months after being married when we found out that we were pregnant with Mm. Kayla. So (laughs) it was not planned at all. a night in Atlanta, actually, for my <laughs> sister's birthday. And New Year's just had a great time, but not preventative. And so here we have it. Um, we were expecting and living in a one-bedroom apartment in Maryland and me not being in the official career that I wanted to be in at the time. And once again, we had a, a groomsman who was going to be getting married in Jamaica that year. We had a cruise plan. And I had lots of other tra- travel to do with Lawn Sisters and everything else mm. before I saw the baby. So mm-hmm. when we found out, um, that was definitely, uh, I mean, at the time for me, it was uh, a traumatic experience. Oh, okay. So, of course, it was a shock. Throw things mm-hmm. out of the plan that you had. When did you feel like yes. you kind of processed it, accepted, and was ready? Um, accepting the pregnancy is... Uh, mm. I remember us calling my parents. I'm sorry, I'm trying to go back and see when I actually accepted it. But I don't think I really did. (laughs) It was until Caleb was here Mm -hmm. and things started to settle down. I'll probably say this last year is when I really accepted Mm. it. There were things throughout my pregnancy I love. And I love being pregnant and can't wait to be pregnant again. However, the concept of me being ready, the confidence Mm -hmm. for me to be a mother was not there um, mm. because there were so many other things and stuff that I didn't think I was and, and I was mm. ready for. So um, That's such it, a good way to like put that, Carla. Like, I feel like that's, really? that's real. I, I feel like <laughs> society or people put on this front as if, you know, like, yes, it is a blessing. Yes, it is such an honor to have the capability yes. and, and the will to be able to do it because there are people who can't and there's people who would mm-hmm. like to or in unfortunate circumstances. However, sometimes when it's not planned 
and you have this idea of what your life is going to be like, or you have your own Mm -hmm. things as a woman that you're still working through, it does take a minute for it to settle in your mind and for you to kind of adjust to the idea and figure it out. And sometimes it is like after they get here, sometimes it's not just like angels sing and like all is right in the world. Like it's a bit of a, a challenge. Well, I'm so glad you're um, <laughs> affirming me in that way because that is even nervous to say out loud. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that it doesn't seem too awful. No. So I love, 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 love <laughs> my baby, my Caleb. It, even love the, being pregnant, but just being ready. I don't know that that really happened for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you had a great pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. things went well, but still like adjusting it. When did you know, or did you know like the whole time that you were just like, oh crap, days are counting down. Like he's about to be here. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm type A. So regardless, <laughs> he was coming. So we were going to be ready. And like, so we were in a one bedroom apartment. So we, nesting is real. Uh, I mean, just how are we going to get out? We got to make sure we're in the house by this time. And so it was just go time for both of us. So luckily Jason and I were able to kind of put our heads down and our support circle is out of control. I know you talk about you and your husband and how, where you were located at the time with Ezra is, is, is difficult, but that's just not our story. Our, my in-laws are in the area, like very family oriented. We have siblings and cousins and just Caleb's godparents. We just have a very, very supportive circle that just showers us all the time. That's That's awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the day that you went into labor or you gave birth. Okay. So (laughs) I'm excited because I am going on, I think I took off two days before it was time. I was like, okay, I'm going to take this time off and just, enjoy not working oh maternally what is this like um so i was watching tv excited to have a bowl of cereal but i was feeling some cramps like oh i'm gonna take a nap and took a nap woke up and was still feeling cramps and then saw you know a little bit of pink when i went to the restroom i was just like oh that's not normal but i know i'm not having this baby yet for whatever reason i just didn't i didn't want to get excited before it was time Mm-hmm. So I end up calling probably, I call so many people, but I called my cousin and my sister and they're like, yeah, you should be okay. Because like I said earlier, we were trying to find a house. So we had an appointment affiliated with the house that next morning. Mm. And they were like, you should be fine. Still go ahead, go to your appointment tomorrow. And then you can go to the doctor for them to check everything out after that. But I called my mom and my mother-in-law and they're like, uh-uh, you need to go to the doctor. What are you doing? So I hopped in the shower and they called my husband to let him know he was at work at the time. And I, and I had let him know sometime in between too, like, Hey, I might be feeling, we might go tonight, but we'll go after you get off work, which he would get off at 11. So 11 PM that night. And I, but I'm just going to hop in the shower quick. I did not get out of the shower, but homeboy was home ready to go. My husband was ready. We were packing up. My um, cousin had come over to when I talked to and she was getting everything together and making sure we were ready to go. So we went ahead and went that night. And luckily we did because when we ended up at the actual hospital, that's when the cramps really, really picked oh, up. Wow. And for sure enough, um, they said, hey, you're in labor. So that was how the transition occurred. But I, I have to tell this funny piece. The meconium, I might be saying that. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. Great. Okay. So the, the baby poop that's there it was a part of the discharge and 
the nurse I was like, what is this? And I'm kind of freaking out. And my husband is sitting there. He's like, oh, that's the meconium because he's been reading all these things. Uh-huh. The Russians to get. So I'm like, how do you know what's going on? So anyways, just go to say it was, it was a very um, energetic, I guess, type experience for us up until that point um, being admitted in and I didn't know that I was going into labor. Wow. Okay. Okay. And how was the whole labor experience? Was it terrifying, easy, smooth? I I really liked my labor experience. It was almost mm. almost uh, twenty four hours. But by the time that night, like I said, eleven p.m. So we were probably at the doctor. I was sitting in the bed at around midnight, close to one a.m. And the 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 Cramps were really bad. Contractions yeah. were getting bad. And I remember doing the birthing class and then speaking with my sister-in-law and others of when you can get an epidural if you want to try to wait to, they wait till they're about four centimeters dilated. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I'll try to be four centimeters. But the pain was getting up there. Jason had fallen asleep. The nurse came in to check. And I was just like, yeah, my pain is bad. Is it too early to get the epidural? She was like, you listen to your own body. You know, your body is only the one who can tell you if you want to. I was like, yeah, this is bad. You know, go ahead. Let's go ahead and and get this now and I was like well can you tell me how many how far I'm dilated after she finished she was like oh you're one centimeter I said what (laughs) (laughs) I was very early clearly there was a low tolerance of pain there for me so I probably got that uh, earlier on but it ended up not hurting anything within my experience um my parents ended up driving up from North Carolina that early that next morning so they were able to be there by the time i went and labor the next night my cousin that i mentioned monica she's a godmother of Aww. my son she was able to come by and then my in-laws were there so it was oh, a nice. it was a room full of people and as they all came in i had my sunglasses on they didn't understand it i was just all i remember is the birthing classes they were saying rest up yeah rest it do what you have to do and you know because when it comes time to push you're gonna have to push so my pushing experience is what I would say is the most exciting out of everything. So mm. we're sitting in there and it's my mother, my mother-in-law and my cousin and Jason all in the room. The, the father and father-in-law were not in there, but uh, they get ready to push. My nurse came by. She was amazing. She said, okay, she would count me down. She would say, five, four, three, two, one, and push. And I would push and Jason had our playlist playing in the back of my oh. ear. I'm like, okay, we had a playlist going, so it was a little bit of that going. The um, <laughs> father-in-law always references. He was like, y'all had love making music playing. We all get burned. I don't know, but it was just fun. And then my mom is pushing back one leg. She is super pressed, so she's like pushing my leg all the way back, and everybody is shouting. And anyways, after each countdown. Jason kissed me on my forehead and everybody's cheering. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, Clearly, yeah. you can see I like attention. But <laughs> that, that was just, it was, I felt so supported, so loved. Mm. Um, and all of that was great and, until he actually came out. Now, when Caleb finally came out, they did say that, I'm going to say the wrong thing now since it's been so long, but his shoulder could have potentially gotten caught. Okay. And so they were like, we really have to move and and so when he did come out, we didn't hear anything. They did not immediately put him on my chest. And so my mom wanted to uh, go so many places yeah. as to what is happening, et cetera. But um, I don't know if it was me constantly pushing the button with the epidural the whole time or what but what it was. But within a few minutes, he did start crying and then they oh, brought man. him over. And from there, 
that's when motherhood started, but I really love that experience. And I, I can't wait for an opportunity if it's allotted to have it again. Yeah. Planned. Well, I love the fact that, like you said, the supports was you had a village mm-hmm. of people that were celebrating you, supporting you, holding you up. You had a birth plan. Um, an idea of how you wanted to make the transition something that was comfortable for you. You had your shades, you had your playlist, you had your music. And then your mm-hmm. husband was a huge advocate, educating himself, oh, yeah. um, learning everything so that he can be that person to speak for you if needed be and, and know what mm-hmm. you wanted. And those are all the things that I like to tell mothers to think about before giving birth because that's such a, a big deal if you can, if it's something that can happen be sure to make it happen because it can make the transition smooth. And it sounds like it was so helpful for you. It really, really was. Nice. I think it was. Okay. So then <clears throat> Caleb's here, um, made a safe travel over. Once you guys get home, how is postpartum? Um, initially, what I would say is it was normal. I think it was what everybody is doing they go straight into to mother gear mode but what i know now which i love that you have this is i was hot anxiety was at an all time high and i mean i'm pretty sure it is for most mothers and maybe that is normal. i still don't know all the answers <laughs> but yeah the, the helping with sleep at night no jason i don't need help you get your rest because mm-hmm. baby's on schedule first day home like Let's go. Okay, I'm supposed to lay him down. Even if he does wake up, that's okay. I'm going to be able to get him. And mm. the time that he's not up, I'm a pump. I'm a pump extra and eat some pumpkin cookies in the middle of the night. And then whenever he's up, he's also going to eat again. That way I'll get my flow up really good, uh, which was just anything I could possibly do to keep trying to get ahead and just stay ahead of this race in my head of, I don't want to mess this up. I want to mm. do it right. I don't want anything wrong. Because of me, once again, that lack of confidence was there of, I've never taken care. I barely take care of myself. Like, what am I going to do? So just constantly being on edge in that light and then also not wanting to lose myself. It was just a, an interesting transition. Enjoyable, but I think I was so consumed constantly with not messing up. I just Mm, didn't want to mess up. Gotcha. Which is a lot of pressure to put on yourself. So then like, when, when thinking about like, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to do or this is how I'm supposed to be. Where did you get that idea of motherhood from? Like, how did you create this picture that you had for yourself? Mm. My mom. Mm. My mom, I think she could do it all with her eyes closed if she wanted to. Mm. She just, it looked so easy. Um, She has nothing but love to give and she gives it with a smile on her face. And growing up and watching her balance, being a working mother, even in those times where she would take me to the boardroom with her, she's hosting a training and I'm sitting there and, and watching her and, and individuals listening to her and her own room, but then also see her at home, make sure that we have all that we need, whether it's clothes and food and host the sleepovers and take us to the activities. Like I just saw all these things happening and I didn't see her ever doubting herself. Mm-hmm. And I was comparing myself to that image opposed to really just allowing myself to lean in and really figure out who Carla was. Mm. I was trying to to acquire that thing that I was like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be. Mm. What's wrong with me? And then would also compare myself to 
anybody else that I knew as well, whether it be friends or my sisters, I was the last out of all my sisters to have a child. Mm. So um, just seeing, I think they carry it with such grace and beauty as well. And I think my admiration transitioned into a, probably an unhealthy comparison that didn't leave enough room for Carla. Mm. So important and so well said. And first thing that I thought, so I think like what you do, the comparison, we all do that as humans, we do it. And if anything, we have to catch ourselves when we do it because it's mm-hmm. an, it's one thing to compare to be inspired, but it's another to compare and then feel bad or be hard on yourself or to put pressure mm-hmm. on yourself. So then like having this image of your mother and having this image of the other mothers that were around you and you kind of seeing the highlights did anybody ever share with you their struggles? Yes. Yeah, they do. And and I think that's part of the growth for me as well. Mm-hmm. Just the transparencies and the benefit that even though my mind can go there, just having them be vulnerable enough to me to say, no, 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 it's not as easy. And my mom is the first person to say, no, it's doesn't. It might look easy, but this isn't it. So having those conversations to bring that full circle yeah. has been helpful. But ultimately, I think what really helped me is, is was the intentional therapy in 2019 when I started that and just really tapping into me. So no one can really do the work except for me. And I had to dig deep and figure out why I had so many reasons is so much self-doubt and why I needed to constantly just kind of need that because they weren't doing it They're very helpful along the way but I think it was just that personal intentionality of self that had to, to be done right when did you notice that it was getting too bad like the anxiety the self-doubt when was a moment that you felt like okay maybe I need to talk to someone um when anything could have been when we were Jason and I were going to the grocery store and and um I picked up jelly but we already had jelly at the house and I'm thinking about it now just the emotions of that time like I can't believe I got jelly like literally that was why did I do this why did I get two jars we had it here and so thinking about that as an example Mm -hmm. literally I made a mistake and got something we already had Okay, but I have been doing that with everything between work. Every time I have to take off of work and it's because my child is sick, I feel less at work because Mm. everybody else still has to show up. So who am I to not show up for my team at work? Nobody's putting this pressure on me. It's all me. I'm still working my tail off at home, still getting it done, but... Just the fact that I'm not present there, I feel like I am not giving off the perception that I'm showing up all the way. Mm-hmm. And then it was the whole mental of, okay, what kind of mother are you feel a type of way that you're not at work, an expendable mm-hmm. job that if you were to leave tomorrow, they'll find somebody else to get it done. But you're upset about this instead of just being here with your child who, mm-hmm. who needs you. Like you are the one. So just always upset with myself because mm-hmm. I, no matter what area it was, I just felt like I was not checking boxes. I right. felt like I couldn't get that balance down right. And that's a hard internal conflict because it's kind of like, how could you ever win? You know, if you set yeah. yourself to excel in all areas, did your husband, Jason, ever pick up 
on how you were viewing yourself or putting the pressure on yourself? Yeah, we had to have a lot of real conversations that ultimately helped me get through that. And we actually get through it together. But what we learned was that I wasn't the only one. He was putting unrealistic pressures on himself as well. Mm. So we both had to realign and, and get our spirituality in order and get our marriage in order and our priorities of life to really figure out how we're going to thrive at this thing called life opposed to try to survive it. So it was a it was a journey for both of us, I think. Gotcha. And then something that also happens, especially with people who didn't intentionally have plans to get pregnant at a specific time and then have to like take a different route. Some others, not to say that this is the case for you, but sometimes they can feel as if they're losing their identity or they're losing oh, the yeah. person that they were before. And it's like, how can I still have those, you know, happy hours with my friends or how can I still travel and shop and now that I have this baby or how can I do both or I feel bad because I want to have a night out mm-hmm. with friends. How how did you kind of work through that in your mind and, and how did you maintain a sense of self? Um, well, we, I'm going to just give you the solution. <laughs> what we have is we just started doing our weekly meetings and in the shared iPhone notes section, we have our priorities for the week and I'm prioritizing myself as well. So if I know that there are things that I want to do, I'm not not asking Jason because I'm like, well, who am I to ask mm. for him to watch the baby? Mm. I'm saying, no, my friends invited me to this next week and I would like to go. Are you able to do it instead of mm. not asking at all? I love that. We, we're working it out. So that's helped a lot. And then us being intentional about having... Not only a specific budget, but time allotted for us once a month for date night. Mm-hmm. We dated. We've known each other since high school. We went to A&T together. We love having a good time, but we lost what that looks like with being responsible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be intentional about saying, no, we're going to take this time. And once again, we have the supportive group, but we have to ask. They all want to help, but right. we have to be intentional about making that time. So I think us being super focused about creating the space and time for the things that I know bring me joy Mm -hmm. um, have helped. And the the final piece I think was this year, my physical health, of course, physical appearance is so huge and just trying to figure out how do I get this consistent workout with my hair and work schedule and baby. And reality is before marriage, before all of, all of this, Zumba was an outlet for me. Mm. I loved it to its core. It gives me energy. I enjoy it. And it's a great workout. And so I did uh, get certified as a Zumba instructor. Oh, cool. One more thing on a list of things to do, but it shouldn't be a chore. So come the new year, it, it'll be a lot easier for me to share my passion yeah. with others and, and keep myself consistent in a way that works for me. Versus, of course, I would love to be the mother that is internally motivated to wake up at 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. and go work out and then start her day, but I'm not. And so I can't keep comparing myself or keep striving for that. I have to kind of figure out how something that is for Carla is going to work into my daily life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What what aspects about you do you feel like were important to hold on to that existed before you became a wife and a mother? My ambition. I've always been extremely ambitious. And, and I I know that I was created for a huge purpose and I have to fulfill it. And when I'm not, I feel 
less than. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not operating in that space of excellence or, or just striving for what I know is there, exposing myself to that new thing, then, then I start to feel off. I feel stagnant. I feel Mm-hmm. complacent and mm-hmm. so I have to just set myself up uh, with structures that allow me to continue to pursue dig deep make connections and and have those things that make me feel like I can kind of feed that ambition that always feels like I'm growing it doesn't matter right. <laughs> what it is but I need to feel like I'm going somewhere right and I, I totally relate to you I'm definitely an ambitious person and for women in comparison to men women who want to have a family, it's always uh, a challenge to navigate having a family and continuing to be ambitious because when you give birth, your life is on pause for a moment. Mm-hmm. And being able to like work around all of that, even like if you choose to breastfeed or if you had a C-section and you have to heal or, you know, being the person who has to pick the kid up if they're sick, all of that, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Nothing stops the show for the man. Like they, you know, they <laughs> they have sex and they keep moving. Like nothing really like mm-hmm. changes for them. Whereas our whole body is changed. And I remember even in having discussions with my husband, husband, if we wanted to have a third or not. Ooh, I know, right? Ninety nine point nine percent chance we probably won't. <laughs> but it was a it was a real discussion because it was like there's so many things that I want to do. And we just don't have a life set up where all of those things can be done and have a third. I would love to have a third, but my husband has a job where he works, oh my God, like 80 hours a week. And we don't have that much of a support. And I still got two here. And then to have to throw in a third, how can I show up for myself? How can I be the mother that I want to be? And also have mm-hmm. all of these dreams and aspirations and then throw in a third. I don't want to be an irritable, mm-hmm. bitter, snappy person. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's where we're at. But it, 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 like ambitious is a beautiful thing, but it also can be where it can make us be really hard on ourselves. And like you mm-hmm. said, it's just finding ways of, of other outlets. It doesn't always have to be, I want to be the president of the United States. It could be, I want to get a certification in Zumba. Right. <laughs> right achievable right there that's real to me we'll figure out the rest later right exactly um so okay so what do you feel like caleb has taught you as a woman oh. and as a mother oh my gosh and it actually came to mind when you were recently talking our ceo from the institute that I work for is recently leaving and she's a mother and an amazing leader. And so as she's departing, we're about to transition our leadership. One of the things she said in her speech as she was leaving was talking about as a working mother, if you ever try to pit the two against each other, you're not doing it right. Mm. You as an employee are who you are and a leader to your team. You're better because you're a mother and you're a better mm. mother because of the exposure and the knowledge and the things that you're able to navigate through at work. But if you have to lean into both and not look at it as though one is taking away because they're truly adding, whether mm. it feels that way or not. And I thought that was so simple, yet so profound, yet yeah. so real. And Caleb, in my mind, has taught me to, to not be so... Initially, it was just like, well... 
now I'm in a mother category, maybe based off society, maybe based off of whatever. In my mind, I just felt like I can't be all of these things because I have this responsibility now, but, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's about me really leaning into assessing who is it that I want to be and why, Mm -hmm. why is it that I wanted that that bad? Was it because I had this vision that was really going to help a lot of people and I know that it needs to be out there or was it because there was something in me that was kind of off and I needed that win at work to help validate me in the area I was insecure in. Mm. So I had to really, Caleb has allowed me to really dig deep and discover my why in a lot of things mm. versus just feeling like I got to go, 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 go. And poop, poop, poop. It's like, you know, like slow down and figure out what's the essence of what I'm doing and, mm. and what's the, what am I trying to get out of this, oh. which I think is helping me and everybody else that are in the long run. Yeah. I love that. And since you are a mother to a black son, I always like to ask um, anyone that I know that's raising like another black son because I am and, and I know like I go back and forth between being very intentional about being present and enjoying everything that comes along with motherhood. But then sometimes my thoughts will just move to the future and I'll become mm-hmm. worried just because of the mm-hmm. world that we live in and my thoughts of how to prepare them, how to just have them be happy and successful, but also know how to just navigate. And especially being that 2020 has been such a rough year, um, Mm -hmm. did it affect you at all? Or did you have any thoughts about raising a Black son? Um, Yes, of course. 2020 Mm -hmm. uh, has (laughs) been huge. And I think I'm on this wave of, in between because in the past at least of what I understand is what's common for us as black like you don't do the talking back you don't do certain things like it's just certain things we know we can give a certain look and it's understood Mm -hmm. but then with me learning I'm like I also want his mind Caleb was named Caleb way before we knew that we were having a son Mm. and and I just insert this story in here really quick um, Caleb comes to the Bible, Bible, of course, but the main piece is he's a God pleaser and not a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. His mother is a people pleaser. I do not want my son to be a people pleaser. It has, it has given me anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has been a part of my journey. Great. But no, I know that if, as long as he's in tune with his source, that he's going to be what he needs to be. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get in the way and I want anybody else to. So that is a part of his name. Um, so jumping forward to, to, Trying to raise and, and strike that balance of, hey, he needs to know what's what. And he needs to know, yes, here, here's where you listen to mommy or here's where you don't. But then I also want to make sure that he knows how to use that brain of his to yeah. know where he stands. And he can articulate that in a way. And he can express his emotions. And we're in that this new area. I think more millennials are like, no, our black men have emotions too, yeah. and they need to be able to express them accordingly. And I don't want him coming up where he can't say what he thinks later on because he doesn't know how. And I was a part of that, so I think for me, that's what I've been consumed with, and probably have overthought mm. <laughs> to a fault. Mm-hmm. But it's been how do I make sure that he is emotionally healthy, but also has boundaries. Um, and knows that know when mommy says this, mommy says this, but but that's just been a constant learning piece right. for me personally. Gotcha. I gotcha. hope that answers your question. No, it does. And I like that. And I love the meaning behind his name and even 
like with that, just him being able to critically think and figure out his place on his own and navigate his journey by him kind of figuring out how he wants to walk that journey versus having someone create it or tell him how to walk it. Like mm-hmm. you being able to provide him with the tools, but him knowing how to use the tools too. Yeah. And I think with him being three, I, I have to lean on that. <laughs> this is my time to do it. Just going, even going back to biblical as far as, you know, you train a child and I can't just throw my hands up and say, Oh, well, I hope he figures it out. At this age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want him to emotionally be healthy, but I also am like, how do I do that thing correctly? Mm-hmm. So that way, so just kind of, forcing myself in different areas um in final piece hopefully it's not too well but when I talk about parents and my mom earlier she has a degree in elementary education so she was very creative when raising my sister and us to help us make those decisions so she didn't have to spank us often Mm -hmm. she was able to put different structures in place that helped us make our own decisions whereas me I'm like, okay, well, I don't think she's supposed to be this stuff. I think that's where some of my frustrations come in versus, like, me really having to put more energy into figuring out those structures, mm. being consistent on my end right. so he can have those and be empowered to make better decisions versus me having to say no because I said so. Right, right, right. I like that. Um, so you talked about how you were able to recognize how – the anxiety was definitely becoming strong for you and you were putting a lot of this pressure on yourself and then seeking out help to get therapy has been super helpful for you. Had you ever had counseling prior to this? Um, no, not consistently, I wouldn't say. I think this has been a true investment of time, finances to get the proper attention and consistency towards it to really get to something. Gotcha. So, and I know that I hear from a lot of mothers and even like within the black community of there's being a stigma on mental health or you don't want to put your business out there or you don't want to look like you don't love your kid or you don't like them. Um, How were you able to embrace counseling and like really use it for good for you? It was a struggle. It goes back and forth because it is a stigma. And mm-hmm. so um, in, within my circle, you know, I think me having to justify like, well, what are you doing? And, you know, I don't I don't know. So I think um, I was able to embrace it because I know that nobody else was going to sleep with these thoughts in their head. Mm-hmm. Nobody else was mm-hmm. battling this thing. And nobody else knows my purpose the way I know my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I have a job to do here on this earth and in order for me to continue to go on that path it had to be done so I have had the doubts I have had the conversations I have had the the stigma and oh my gosh I'm not stable to be able to think things through on my own and insecurities but it's like no it's what's helping me yeah. and as long as I'm getting better then I, I'm leaning into that and excited about it right right there was once um I think it was like a YouTuber I followed and she is active in her church and she had mentioned how she had sought help after becoming a mother and there were people in her congregation that was telling her to just pray or that God would work it out um, or just, you know, read the Bible. It will give you guidance. And she said that eventually her response was God put people on this earth that were professionals 
who are educated to be able to help people like me and that she would be mm-hmm. doing a disservice to her family if she didn't take advantage of that and a disservice to herself as well. What what advice would you give a mother um, that would be hesitant or would think that it would mean that she was weak, being that you've experienced counseling and it has worked out really well for you? Um, what would advice or encouragement would you give another woman who was on the fence about it? <clears throat> well, I will definitely give the advice, but I want to address the finance piece up front mm-hmm. with women because that means that it, this has been a financial investment, literally, like I said, since 2019, and that is a huge part of the hesitation. Well, where am I going to get the money from? Mm-hmm. And is it going to come from my hair, my nails, mm-hmm. my, my food? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that piece is the biggest piece. But I'm my advice for that is um, you got you just have to make the money for it because your mind has so much control over everything else. It does not matter how many times you get your hair done, whatever, you're not going to feel whole in yourself mm. until you kind of give yourself that intentional space and time. So I think the, the finance side can sometimes be a factor of being able to put it off, even if you are ready, right. despite stigmas, but don't let that hold you up. Figure out, what's going to make sense because it, you know, I think that that's what ultimately allows you to show up for your family and it has the mental capacity to figure out how you can monetize all of these things that are within you where you don't have to worry about, you know, finances for your hair and whatever, but you can't unleash those things if you aren't in your basic field. So if you even think you need therapy, then that's probably a good time to, to go and start processing through so you can open up your capacity. Um, and yeah, I was going to say something else about the stigma, but I'm just going to use myself as an example. I'm sitting on a podcast right now. Mm. And I also just said I was anxious and I was, I was, I would have never thought that I would be sitting on somebody's podcast. Or I was going through <laughs> what I was going through, but these are the things that give me energy, but I wasn't making space for those, nor would I have reached out. I reached out to Keisha because I thought Keisha was doing amazing things. And I think part of that, it came shortly after a session with one of my therapy sessions, but these are things that are aligned with me. And so this is filling, mm-hmm. very filling. And I think therapy has allowed me to prioritize what what is really filling to me. So I'm operating in that truth and not all those other things that are, mm. oh, I'm nervous about them, whatever. So I, I would just, I want to make sure I said the finance piece up front, mm-hmm. so figuring that out. And then of course the stigma, I mean, once you're in it and once you see your growth, you're not going to think about stigma. You're going to be like, okay, they probably need therapy too. And last piece I'll say, anybody telling you don't need therapy that has not been to therapy or therapy has not worked for them, I mean, I think that speaks for itself. Ooh, it's just like, yes. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, like marriage advice for somebody who's never been married. Yes. It's just, it's just like, yes. like no, <laughs> so they are not willing to face either. So, mm-hmm. Right. That is so true. My last question is, um, like when we were talking about your ambition and you've done so well career-wise and you have this idea of where you want to go and how you want to navigate your life and then recognizing how with that on the flip side, it created a lot of anxiety for you. And sometimes Mm -hmm. with women, especially millennial women and women who may be waiting later, like in comparison to our parents or our grandparents who may have gotten started families at 18 or early 20s mm-hmm. and mid 20s um, who may have waited a little later in life because they wanted to build up their career and finances in their home life. Um, sometimes there is the 
label of it's hard to have that work-life balance and you mm. may not be able to to succeed at, at everything. You may not be able to be that VP and then also be that super present mom and women who are trying to strive for it but may feel defeated in making it possible. Being that mm-hmm. you kind of like have learned to give yourself some grace and learn to mm-hmm. um, take the pressures away and even like how you talked about um, the person that was at your job that had gave the speech um, and how she worded that perfectly. What advice would you give a mother who is ambitious and who could be struggling because she's putting so much pressure on herself? Hmm. There's so many things. Um, wow. There's so many things that come to mind, but when you started asking a question, this is directly in alignment with what started helping for me was writing. Mm. And I don't know what everybody else's is, but mine was writing. Yours might be something else. But there, I co-authored a book called Dear Fear mm. in Volume 3. And it's 10 different stories from women about fear. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I committed to this chapter when I was in the thick of it. I figured out, similar to you, Keisha, that I was going to be laid off from my job. Mm. And I had just moved into this home. My mother-in-law had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. We were dealing with other illnesses, um, including related with alcohol in our family and and a few other things that was just really difficult to get through. And here I am breastfeeding this baby, super upset Mm. (laughs) that I'm having to stop at eight months because my sister went to 12 months. And I know that anybody, 12 months should be the absolute minimum to breastfeed that I had this pressure on myself, but I was commuting 45 minutes to work back and forth every day, but then not getting stuff. So anyways. I was in a place of complete, I cannot do it all. I was convinced there's no way I can be this ambition person, show up for my family the way I'm supposed to be showing up, show up for this child, be the mother, all of these things. But this opportunity to co-author this book and it was to write, just to to capture my story Mm. was the first part of my therapy. So I, I mentioned that I started therapy, yes, going to a, somebody who was certified and a clinician to speak in 2019 but in 2018 I made the commitment and I and I and I wrote and I wrote my story and I put it in writing I was vulnerable and it was it was out there and I learned a lot but that was the beginning of my journey so journaling was that and anybody interested can learn more about the book they can uh contact me on Instagram Mm. at Carla Janelle happy to always just have conversations about some of these stories because I think they're so helpful if they want somebody to initially talked through but the only other uh thing i can say is journaling making that time um and and really starting off the day my mom has been telling me this for years but i've looked at it as pressure but literally starting the day 10 15 minutes even that just with meditating and focusing on me has been super helpful but uh and at each night i don't make it long-winded it's just three things that i'm grateful for that Mm, day i love my gratitude Um, yeah and that just captures it up. Like, I can't control this long journey, but mm-hmm. I can appreciate the things along the way. So mm-hmm. that's my ability to do that. And so, yes, life, I think, probably has more stuff coming at me harder now than it ever has. But it's just I have more tools that are helping me to get through versus where I feel so helpless, I guess. Mm. So my advice would be to journal, reach out um, if, if there is something that I can further conversation with based off of what 
you heard today. And then finally, read uh, Brene Brown's Rising Strong. That oh, was very helpful. Brene for me. Brown. Yes, yes. And that, that was a. <laughs> yeah, I totally transition. agree. Yeah. And I love the gratitude exercise because I often tell like clients that I'll work with. Most of the time, there's always more good going on in your life than there is bad. Mm -hmm. It's just that the bad feels so bad that it overshadows Mm -hmm. the good. And we don't, we'll autopilot through the good, but we'll sit in the bad and feel it and dwell in it Mm -hmm. and think about it and ruminate in it. And so you have to bring yourself to, okay, so what are some highlights from my day? What are my top five things that happen? And even just like small things, I'll say, because sometimes... Some people may not be able to get it. Even if it's, I made my kid laugh. I got a close parking space at the grocery store. I cooked the meal from scratch. My husband told me he appreciated me because I made him coffee. Just small things that feel good. And just being able to say that. And I always like to tell people, recognize that sometimes the balance is the unbalance of it all. Like, it's not always going to be like you're winning over here and you're winning over there. Sometimes you may be 98% and you may be 100% over there. And that's okay. Like, your baseline is already superior. So, if you are, (laughs) or if you already just at the surface, and that's okay. You don't always have to be a superhero at all times. Sometimes just being your normal self is enough. Absolutely. And that's that. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your story, giving your encouraging words and uplifting and everything that you had to say. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. This has been an absolute amazing experience as I expected it would be. <laughs> and I'm just so thankful that you're operating your purpose. So thanks for letting me be a part. <laughs> Too much on my plate, cold up on my face. I'm going through a phase, and I don't wanna be here. I just wanna be near.